to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel, clueless just like you and figuring out how the adult world works week by week. And I feel like two of the most important, but they're sort of abstract ideas in adulthood that everyone needs to accomplish or master are making your own path and making connections. And today's guest has done both of those things in a really, really cool way. When she graduated college, our guest, Megan Gebhardt, decided that she would share a cup of coffee with a new person every single week, meaning she would have 52 coffee dates over the next year. Her journey landed her meetings with Apple's Steve Wozniak and the senior vice president of global communication at Starbucks, as well as first graders, dairy farmers, pilots, and authors. Now she works at Airbnb, but still gets coffee with inspiring people. But I wanted to talk to her about this really awesome coffee-fueled journey since the idea of meeting that many new people and emailing them out of the blue for coffee seems incredibly brave. So welcome, Megan. Hi, Sam. Thanks. How are you today? I'm great. Good. So I gave sort of a really brief description of your project, but I, it didn't do it justice. So do you want to explain a little bit more about how your 52 Cups of Coffee project came about? Of course. It, it started in 2010, which at the time I was about to be a senior in college. And that is such a, a terrifying time, especially for someone who you know, up until that point has kind of known the next step and all of a sudden you have to graduate and figure out the rest of your life. And at the time, I don't really think I, I understood how, how nervous I was about making the right choices in terms of where to go after college. And I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, I was reflecting on my college experience or actually life experience up until that point, And I realized that so many of the incredible opportunities I'd had, and especially so many of the, the conversations and our, our connections and relationships that I had had, they all really stemmed from proactively building relationships. You know, I met one person who introduced me to another person who introduced me to this great opportunity. And it kind of hit me that, you know, maybe the best way to figure out what I wanted to do uh, with my life was to just spend a year building new connections to see what opportunities those connections turned into. And, and the other piece of that was, somewhat naively thinking that if I could spend a year asking, you know, smart, established people all of my questions, by the time I graduated from college, I would have all of the answers and the uncertainty would be gone and I would have my life figured out, which, like I said, was naive and it didn't exactly work out that way because this uncertainty never goes away. But it did, it did really help that, you know, asking questions with people, you know, asking questions to people with different perspectives is wildly helpful when you're trying to figure out where you're going next. So I launched the project right before my senior year. I spent that whole year, you know, besides going to class, having coffee with people. And then actually the, the project took an unexpected turn and all these people told me to travel while I was young. So I ended up the project by going to Europe. So some of the cups of coffee were with different Europeans, you know, learning almost globally, you know, insights on life instead of just people from the States. And I think you mentioned a couple of times that there was a lot of uncertainty and not knowing what you wanted to do after college. And I remember feeling the same way, like even though I was a journalism major and you think that that's a really clear cut path, like you're a journalism major, so you'll be a journalist, so you'll work for a magazine. There's especially in media now, there's so many opportunities and you don't really know where to start. But I don't know that I would have been able to just decide like, oh, I'm going to take this kind of 
unconventional path? Like what made you think that this was a better option than looking for a job? And how did you kind of solidify this as your one year plan? So I think it started out as such a such a small thing because I was in college, I had an internship, I was doing I was doing all the right things on my way to graduating. And so this was kind of a cherry on top project. So mm-hmm. it didn't feel it didn't feel really risky because I always you know, I I was going to school, I was on the right path and it also seemed really small in my mind. It's like it's only one cup of coffee one day a week. Or one day um yeah, one day a week. Yeah, one Every day a week. Every week for a year. <laughs> right. The numbers confuse me. But it, it was just such a small, it was such a small thing. And I think what I learned from the project, you know, you can take a really big year-long goal and then you break it into baby steps. And so it, it didn't seem very big. And once I started building momentum, it, you know, every week I built more momentum and then it became easier to sustain because I was seeing really cool results. You know, every week I was doing something as meeting someone fun. There was a lot of reward and feedback. And then I would write about it and people would read it and they would say, you know, I really like, I really like the story this week. So there were a lot of small reinforcements that kept me going. And I think the other half of it besides starting small was just, I really surrounded myself in college with people that were more into those unconventional paths. So I found kind of a tribe of entrepreneurs you know, of, of people that didn't want to follow the status quo. And that also made it easier because, you know, my closest friends didn't think I was crazy for doing it. I think that was the key component as well. It's always good when your friends don't think you're crazy. My (laughs) friends think I'm crazy, (laughs) but so what was the structure of each coffee date? Like why did you choose coffee? And then how did you go about setting up that first coffee date? The reason for coffee, I, I think I need to give credit to my mom for the, the love of coffee. You know, when I was growing <laughs> up, she had a group of ladies, and they would get coffee at least once a week, sometimes several times a week. And, you know, when I was little, I didn't really understand the importance of it. But as I grew up, I realized that it was such a great way to meet people and connect. And then further, I, I met someone, you know, I talked about that tribe of entrepreneurs that I met. Mm-hmm. Well, that whole kind of group I, I spent time with came out of a random stranger, a guy named Brett, who I'm now very good friends with. He found out about a, a different project I was working on, and he reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to get a cup of coffee? And that was really the first you know, cup of coffee with a stranger I had had in college. And it was just such a great experience. Like, we immediately hit it off, and it, it was like, wow, you know, this very simple act of, of meeting someone in a coffee shop has so much potential to it. And it seems like everyone gave you really great nuggets of wisdom, like about finding your passion. And like you said, traveling when you're young and how to put yourself out there and how to, you know, embrace everything that's coming. And how did you like go into these conversations? Because it wasn't necessarily like you needed something from them. I think now a lot of people are going to coffee chats as a networking opportunity in case jobs come up. But this was sort of just your fun project. Like, how did you go into these conversations? How did you set them up? You're right. I didn't go into it as a networking thing. I really went into it as, you know, I want to figure out, you know, what's your story and what makes you interesting. And, you know, somewhere in the big scheme of your life, there has to be some really good nuggets of information. So it really was 
I just want to ask questions, you know, the smartest questions I can to get you to talk about your life to see what, what we can uncover from that. And so early on in the project, they were very, very conversational. As, as the project went on and I just interviewed so many people, I think I got better at asking, asking questions that got more to the heart of their story and maybe mm-hmm. revealed better information faster. But something that I did with, I would say, you know, 75% of the people I met is I would sit down and of course there's a small talk. You know, you have to find a place to sit. You have to order your coffee. So there's just some light conversation about whatever it might be. And then once we sat down and we got settled, I would you know, start off by just thanking people for giving me the, you know, their time and for meeting me and agreeing to be a part of this project. And then the question that I, that I dove into, or similar to this question in, in one way or another, I asked, is what you're doing now what you thought you would be doing when you graduated from college? And Ugh, that's a great question. That, yeah, it ended up being just my favorite question because it's such an open-ended question and the answer is always no. I think I would I think that the question about is this what you wanted to do after college is amazing because it's a little bit intimidating whenever you hear someone say on a career panel or wherever presentation that they're in their dream job and they've known that they wanted to do this since they were six years old. Not to say that that's not awesome and great and wonderful, but I think it's a little bit more encouraging to hear that your path can have a lot of different ways, roads, paths, I guess. Your path can have many paths, which you wouldn't get to hear if you just went right into the job world, I guess. Absolutely. And another important component of that is realizing that there's no right path. Because I was so certain that there is this perfect path that I need to get on and then my life will be perfect. And if I don't find it or if I get on the wrong path, everything is ruined forever. I mean, it was a very fatalistic mindset. It feels very dramatic. You get to your senior year and everything feels really dramatic. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's so nice to hear people who set out in one direction. And, you know, one of my favorite cups of coffee was um, Clark Bunting, who at the time was the president of the Discovery Channel. And... He wanted to go to Capitol Hill, and he wanted to write laws, and he wanted to change the world. And he got there and realized, all of these people that have been here 10 years longer than I am, they are struggling with alcohol issues, or their marriages are falling apart. And and he was like, this is not the life that I want. And he set out on a different path, and that path ended up being better and a better fit for him. And so realizing that, you know, you can have every intention, but there are so many options that will make you happy, and you're probably not going to find the the right one on the first try, but you just keep working at it and you slowly, you know, build that right path or that path that's right for you. What did you want to do when you were like a freshman or sophomore in college? Just curiosity, because now you work at Airbnb. So what did you think that you were going to do when you graduated or early in college? I think, well, I think I was interesting in that I, I went to college, you know, and declared marketing as my major and I graduated with marketing as my major, which I, I, most people I feel like go through a lot of changes and I actually probably should have gone through changes, but I was, had this efficiency mindset where I'm so close to getting a marketing degree. I'm just, I'm just going to get it. I was it. the same way. Yeah. And, and so it worked out for me, but I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to be in a big city. I was always kind of drawn to San Francisco because people were doing weird and interesting things in San Francisco. So I think I just wanted to be a part of something 
that was weird and interesting and innovative and challenging, but it was also abstract. And, you know, you pick marketing, but what does a marketing job even look like? Or journalism, you pick journalism, but within that, you know, there are so many shapes and sizes of jobs that you can have. And so it, it just all seemed very unclear to me. And I think that's probably why I was inspired to do the project because I don't know what marketing people actually do. And so I, I really didn't know. And I think I just thought, yeah. I'm going to do things that seem interesting and we'll see where I land. And, and I don't know if like other peop, you know, generations had this thing, but the, what marketing jobs looked like when you were a freshman was probably so different from what they looked like when you were a senior and journalism was the same way. Like I remember my freshman year, them asking us them requiring that we open Twitter accounts. And all of us were like, this is so stupid. <laughs> no one's going to use this. Twitter's so, d- this is so dumb. No, this is going to, this company is never going to last. Right. And, you know, four years later, we're, you know, we're even within the year or two, it was this huge thing. And I imagine marketing or any field really at this point with how fast technology moves is the same way that what you think you want to be as a freshman you don't even know what jobs are going to exist by the time you're a senior. And what jobs are going to exist in, in five or ten years. Right. You know, it's, like, it's always changing, and so in a way it's kind of good to have that mindset of, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do the best that I can and, and just kind of keep looking at what's coming next or you know, setting new goals so that I'm always advancing towards something because you're right. I, I also thought Twitter was stupid, and now, yeah. now the president and every major company is on Twitter. So it's funny how that worked out. And I know that you got to talk to a lot of high-profile people. You mentioned the president of the Discovery Channel. Earlier I mentioned Steve Wozniak. But you also talked to a lot of, you talked to a first grader, which I thought was so adorable and wonderful, a dairy farmer, a pilot. Of those people, what story like really surprised you or stuck with you? Well, it's funny, just a quick side note, about 22 cups into the project, I did this little, it was kind of like a TED Talk in my hometown, or not in my hometown, in in East Lansing, where I was going to school. And afterwards, people said, you know, wow, where did you find such interesting people? And my response was, they're they're all over the place. Like, I wasn't talking to any big names at that time. It's, everybody's incredibly interesting if you basically take the time to uncover what's interesting about them. But I think the right. story that really stands out is I had coffee with this six-year-old girl in, in my hometown, which is funny because of all Did the Did she have coffee? She had, she had Diet Coke, which okay. I, felt, I felt bad. I was like, I really hope you're, you know, your mom's not around, <laughs> so you're not trying to get away with something you can't get, get away with when your mom's here. But she was the most terrifying because, like, I don't know how to relate to a six-year-old. But it right. ended up being... Um, a really fantastic conversation, but I think what was really powerful about it was her her father and my mom had worked together at the public library for almost 20 years. And so this was someone that I knew. I'd had so many conversations with him. But, but then I sat down and I, I had this conversation with his daughter and then um, later a little bit longer conversation with his wife to hear more hear more about his daughter's story from an adult's perspective. And I just learned all of these things about his life and her life. And, and what I realized from the whole experience was that you can go 20 years of knowing someone and never get to know them because all of the conversations are, this, are very similar. 
You're like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Do you have any summer Mm -hmm. plans? How is school going? But the conversation is essentially the same format every time. And so to realize that who are the people around you that you talk to every day or you've been talking to for 10 years that you don't actually know because none of your conversations have gone deeper than how was your weekend, how was your summer, those type of questions. So I think Mm -hmm. that was the cup that made me realize you don't have to make it, you know, a formalized sit down and have coffee. You can just be more intentional about the questions you're asking to people in your everyday life to get to the heart of, you know, more about them. I love that. That's awesome. And now you ended up at Airbnb. So I'm curious, you kind of did a year of like networking on steroids. Like to me, I know that to me, it sounds like networking because I remember moving to New York and setting up a ton of coffee dates that were not necessarily as, you know, inspiring. No, no, no six year olds, but there was a lot of coffee dates and networking and enlarging that network. So how do you feel like this whole year long experience helped you land that job at Airbnb, helped you figure out what you wanted to do? So I think the project had kind of two key components that helped me end up where I was or where I am. And the first was actually one of my my favorite stories is from, from the book is Cup 33, Jonathan Zittrain, who's a Harvard law professor. And I had, he had found me on Twitter and he had tweeted about the project and I responded and I was like, oh, thanks for you know, spreading the word about the project. And he said, yeah, I think it's great. I'm in Boston. If you're ever in Boston, let me know. And I was like, that's cool. I probably won't be in Boston, but if I am, I'll I'll remember him. And then for spring break, I was in San Francisco, and I was at um, this this event, this entrepreneurship event, and a friend of mine that invited me to it made a comment about South by Southwest, which is where I was going the following week. And she said, oh, you should go to this panel. Jonathan Zittrain's on it, and he's really awesome. And I was like, wait, I've heard that name before. So I went through my inbox and realized, like, this was the same Jonathan Zittrain that had emailed Such me. Such a small world. Yeah, so I had emailed, I, I emailed him or tweeted at him, and I was like, hey, I'm going to be in Austin, let's meet up. And so it was so amazing that that cup of coffee came from a, you know, a tweet in Boston that led to, a, not that led to, but that was mentioned at a, it, it was just this really small world moment. But also at that party, that same friend introduced me to Joe Gebbia, who is the co-founder of Airbnb. And at the time, practically no one had heard of Airbnb. And so we had this conversation and I told him about my project, which was about a lot of traveling and a lot of meeting with strangers. And he told me about his company, which was about traveling and meeting strangers. And it was like, oh, this is really fantastic. And it was actually then that I wanted to, to work at the company and took four years to actually make it. But that was the seed where I, I had met him. And I think because I had an interesting project, you know, because we, we both were clearly passionate about similar things and we both had something tangible to show for those passion, passions, we you know, we hit it off and that was kind of the seed of this connection. And then we stayed in touch. And so then when I moved, eventually moved to San Francisco, I met him and then through him, I met some other people at Airbnb. So I kind of started orbiting the Airbnb circle kind of loosely. And so eventually there was a job opening that, that matched my skill set. And so it's always good to know someone at these companies because you can have hundreds of applications going through. But if you have one person that can refer you, it makes such a big difference. And for people that maybe are already in a job, like I, you know, I just, I think today might be my one year anniversary with Real Simple. I'm not 100% sure. I have to look it up, but (laughs) I think it might be today or tomorrow. Um, 
for people that are already in the job world but sort of want to make connections, maybe even with their coworkers or people around, like what have you learned about kind of putting yourself out there and making a good, strong connection with someone else and a really lasting one? Absolutely. I, I, I actually think about that a lot, um, especially um, I think my one of my key strategies, especially when you know you're going to be working closely with someone, um, you know, I'm kind of in a pod and I work very closely with four different people. And I know that I'm going to have so many interactions with them that are based specifically on, on work. And so to have a foundation that's a little bit more personal and less about work is critical. So the step that I've always taken when I'm about to, when I'm working with someone is to invite them to coffee or to invite them to lunch. Anything that's anything that makes it feel different than a typical meeting. You know, if it feels like a Mm -hmm. one-on-one where you go into a conference room, that's not going to achieve the desired result. But take them to coffee, um, go for a walk, get lunch, get a beer, whatever it might be. And and really focus on, you know, we're going to be working together. And so first I would love... I would love to, you know, talk about how you work really well or, you know, your strategy. How do you like to work? You know, what are some things that I should know? Here's how I like to work. Um, Those different things. So you kind of discuss the work relationship. But really do that in 15 or 20 minutes and then spend the next 15 or 20 minutes just getting to know them. And so I I heard this week, um, good managers know the name of your dog, which is this kind of (laughs) weird example of, you know, if you really want to work well with someone, you need to know what they care about. And so, you know, asking questions about, you know, what do you like to do? You know, where did you go to school? Where did you grow up? Um, you know, what are some hobbies? Just anything to start to see them as more holistically, you know, a more holistic person, what they're interested in, what they're, inter- you know, who are they as a person, not necessarily what do they do at their job. And then, you know, you take those things and you try to try to build this rapport, you share a little bit about yourself. And then when you move forward in the relationship or, you know, the work in relationship, you have things that you can talk about in those, you know, you're on, you're on your way to a meeting and you're walking together and it's, how's the dog doing? You know, mm-hmm. a, someone I work with closely with, his poor dog had knee surgery. So it's like, oh, you know, how's the, you know, how's, how's the dog doing? Is she feeling better? Is she at the park again? Just really small things. And also, I think also the best advice for if you're in a job or at a company that you don't want to be in, starting to identify people that people outside of the company that you could have a similar conversation to. And I always think of it as getting to know someone. Like if you go into it with the intention of networking and meeting this person and then having them help you get a job or, you know, you can't have overly high expectations from this conversation, especially because you're asking other person for help. So I just go into any conversation very open-minded, you know, trying to learn as much as I can from that person and then hopefully share enough about them so that they, if they have a way to help me, they, they know, they know where I need help and then they can more easily identify ways that they can help me. And I don't want to completely steal your question, so I'll change it a little bit. But if you could tell the 22-year-olds or 23-year-olds listening one thing to help them broaden their networks and make connections and find their path, um, what would it be? I love that you turned that one around on me. I don't think anyone has <laughs> ever done that before. Uh, you you well, said it earlier and I was like, ooh, <laughs> she's getting that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I think really what it boils down to is, for me, like I mentioned before, I was so 
so anxious about figuring everything out and feeling like I had to, it had to be perfect and I had to figure it out in the right way and, and I had to figure it out right now. And, and it was so much of me being afraid of the uncertainty and just wanting control. Like, I just, I just want to know that I have the right job. I want to know that everything works out. And, and life, life just doesn't, doesn't work out like that. And so I think what I would tell my 22-year-old my self, and it, I have to give all the credit to, to the people that taught me all these things throughout the 52 Cups of Coffee journey, what I would tell myself is that the uncertainty is never going to go away. It never will. Like, you will never be able to predict the future and, you know, external things are going to happen. You know, like the journalism industry took a big shift and, and, right. and you know, anyone in journalism couldn't have controlled that. And then there are going to be internal shifts where you think this is what you wanted and then it turns out to not be what you wanted. And so you can't predict things. Um, life is going to come out come at you the way life wants to come at you. And so instead of spending so much time trying to figure everything out, and to have control over everything, use that time to just cultivate this courage and this trust in yourself so that you, so that you know as a person that whatever life throws your way, you'll be able to handle. And I think once I stopped trying to figure everything out and I just started trying to do the very best that I could do and, and just kind of trusting that I would be able to figure out anything that life threw my way, that's when, that's when a lot of the stress went away. That's great. Thank you so much, Megan. And we should tell people that they can read all about your journey and buy your book called 52 Cups of Coffee on Amazon. And they can find you on Twitter at Megan Gebhardt to share their stories with you. Absolutely. Yes. If anyone else has great stories of getting their jobs through a cup of coffee or, you know, any, any great cup of coffee story, I would love if you would share it with me. Just share all the great cups of coffee they've had. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time, Megan. I really appreciate your advice. It was so wonderful to talk to you. Great. Thank you, Sam. I really enjoyed our conversation as well. And thanks to all of you for joining me today for Adulthood Made Easy. If you have topics or questions you'd like me to cover next time, just tweet them to me at Samzabel, and I'll add them to my list. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. And if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to review and subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to buy a copy of the book that has all the answers, The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll have more answers next time.